Hey everyone, welcome back to Cedar and Cypress. I am so excited to have you join me today. So today it will just be uh, me, Allison, hosting this episode. And the reason for that is that there are just uh, certain topics that Liv and I find to be more interesting than others. Uh, so it's not that Liv is not interested in postmodernism at all, but it's just a topic that I felt I kind of wanted to take solo and see if I could do an episode on it on my own. And so this is just going to be you and I's exploration of the topic. I'm super excited to have you guys come along with me. Um, and one other thing I wanted to add as well is that it's kind of a, a bonus companion episode to the sexual liberalism episode that we released yesterday. And so that episode is really about kind of the lies that sexual liberalism tries to tell us. And I mentioned briefly in that episode that it's kind of birthed from postmodernism and the ideas that we find in postmodernism. And I just felt that it would be uh, pertinent to go through postmodernism and expand on that a little bit. It's a very fascinating topic, at least in my mind it is. And so I thought it would just be uh, great to kind of release a bonus episode on that for you guys. And the first thing I wanted to mention is, you know, how did I really get interested in this topic? So I had no idea what modernism and postmodernism were until college. So I was exposed to this idea in a philosophy-oriented course. It wasn't necessarily a philosophy course, but it was about Christian truth and worldviews. And we looked at several different uh, faiths and philosophies and ideologies of how people have understood themselves in the world over the course of history. And it really piqued my interest from the beginning what what postmodernism is. So a couple years later, taking a church leadership course for my MBA degree, I was reminded of my interest in this topic uh, when I was reading Neil Cole's Church 3.0 Upgrades for the Future of the Church. So in this book, Cole outlines many ways that we, meaning the modern evangelical church, have deviated from the biblically prescribed methods of conducting church. So I'll be drawing heavily from this book as I had great insight for reaching unbelievers in this postmodern world, and it just offered me a lot of wisdom on today's ministry programs. So I'm super excited for you guys to come along with me um, just to kind of give you an idea of what we're going to be going through. This episode will be split into three major parts. So the first one, we're just going to go over what postmodernism is, define it together, understand it, unpack some of its ideas and examples so that we can have kind of a concrete understanding of it. And then second, we're going to kind of discuss the big C church, so the body of Christ. So what are some ways that the church has absorbed postmodernism or how can it reach postmodern unbelievers without wavering in truth? Those are going to be kind of the big ideas we're going to unpack there. And then last, I'm just going to offer us some encouragement and reminders to close us out. What does this episode mean for you and I? What does the idea of postmodernism mean for us? And what are ways that we can navigate it in this changing world? So that's on the agenda today. Let's just go ahead and jump right in. So postmodernism is a worldview or a lens for life, if you will. Uh, it asserts that truth is objective and self-determined, that reality is based on the person in question, and that we can't fully know anything for certain. Does that sound familiar at all? Well, it does sound kind of familiar to the ideas that we unpacked yesterday in our sexual liberalism episode. So don't be surprised if you see a lot of the same kind of ideas floating around in this type of philosophy. And don't be surprised too if you find that 
this worldview is pretty self-defeating in light of the view of the gospel, uh, the same way that sexual liberalism is. There's a quote from Cole, that book I mentioned a little bit earlier, that says, postmodernism is like a worn bar of soap in dirty bathwater. As soon as you think you have a good grasp, it slips out of your hand and is lost in the murky water, leaving you blindly groping once again. I think that's just a perfect perfect picture of what postmodernism is. As soon as you start to kind of unravel it, it really defeats itself the same way that sexual liberalism does. And another metaphor that I heard while I was researching this topic as well was it's kind of like trying to put a knife through jello, that it just... It, it's impossible. It's it's something that is very hard to nail down and to understand. And so one of the ways that we can understand it is that it's it's more of emotional cultural reaction, Cole says, rather than a logical choice. And so if that sounds challenging, what we can do is place it in more historical context. So the first thing is talking about and understanding modernity. So modernity is related to the Enlightenment. And if you remember from maybe high school history class, this was a period um, in the 17th century regarding science and reason as the pinnacle of human existence. And so you may have heard about Rene Descartes and Francis Bacon, and they were really just some examples of Enlightenment leaders and thinkers that help us see what, what the Enlightenment was all about. It's about this idea that man could improve itself if only it focused on science and reason and that we needed to get away from some of the traditional religious ways of thinking about the world. I really liked this super clear definition from a video I found online, which I will make sure to link in our show notes, uh, posted by University Quick Course Online, which says, Modernism was a late 19th and early 20th century movement, which is an emancipatory project whose main idea was that the traditional values and institutions were oppressive, divisive, and inefficient, and should therefore be replaced by rational values and institutions. So that was really the hallmark of modernity. And if we move on from that, that brings us to postmodernism, which is really what we're focusing on today for this episode. There was this huge shift from reason, from the value of science and certainty to doubt and self-determination, that nothing in this world is certain, that everything is subjective, and that we have to determine it for ourselves. So postmodernism was largely a response to modernity and seeing it as a highly unrealistic, unattainable way of living. And there were a lot of different things that caused this. I'm not going to get into all the historical pieces of it, but there, uh, you know, the world wars, uh, the failure of communism, and the failure often that was seen over and over again to try to perfect human nature, to try to get away from our flaws as much as possible by, by using science and reasoning as our lens for the world. Really, what that caused is just a turn to complete subjectivity. Another way that we understand this concept is relativism. We talked about it a lot in our last episode. It's all about individualism and self-determination. So where does postmodernism really manifest itself? We would be remiss to think of postmodernism and even modernism as simply philosophical outlooks. We have to remember that ideologies like these manifest themselves in so many facets of life, including culture, music, art, architecture, politics, laws, literature, economic science, and, and even more. 
And so we really can understand these constructs of modernism and postmodernism through those different through those different facets of life. So a, a concrete example of that is uh, understanding liberalism and socialism, economic and legal principles for governing uh, possessions and capitalistic gain as an outlook of the modernistic view. The idea that humans could keep progressing and get better if only we just follow logic and full equality and reasoning. And another way we can also see the shift from modernism to postmodernism was the transition from realistic art to abstract art with the along with the shifting worldview. So whereas the first tried to depict truth as accurately as possible, the latter was attempting to coax the viewer into defining what they're seeing and understanding what they're seeing through an abstract lens. You look at the piece of art and you determine what it means. So those are just some examples. How does this relate to sexual liberalism? Like we talked about yesterday, Liv and I explained how sexual liberalism is a really self-defeating concept because it says, what makes me happy? What makes me feel good? And that is going to be my ultimate standard of what is good to pursue. But we've seen again and again that the Bible, the Bible completely contradicts this. The Bible explains that our ultimate goal is to please God. And some of those things that pleasing God, they're not always going to feel good in the moment. And that the things that we pursue under the guise of sexual liberalism are not going to bring us ultimate joy and ultimate fulfillment. They're going to bring us, you know, fleeting pleasure, but that they're not going to help us store up those treasures in heaven that we're really supposed to be striving for according to the word of God. So this really brings me to, to part two, which is what does the church look like in a postmodern context? What does this mean for us as the body of Christ? We have to understand that there are ways the church absorbed modernism and postmodernist ideas. So one example that Cole explains is the strong desire to teach and educate uh, that we really see from the Western world. The Western world bears so much weight on education. You know, if only we taught people, if only we explained and educated people on the the church and the truth of Christianity, then they would know. They would think the right way. They would live the right way. They would do all the right things. So this is really a very modernistic thought process, thought process that education, reason, teaching is the primary structure through which we can understand and perfect ourselves. And it's not to say that education isn't vastly important. It is. It absolutely is. But we have to understand that modernism can impact our ministry programs and how we operate in this world, that we can sometimes elevate education and reason possibly over other things that the Bible teaches us that are also very important for the Christian life, which is empathy, compassion, and some of the things that kind of seem to depart from education and teaching. But the Bible really teaches that both are so important to the Christian life and to the Christian walk that we can't have one without the other. Kind of the same way we have talked about on this podcast that we can't have truth without love and we can't have love without truth. There's kind of a similar parallel you see with teaching and walking through the Christian life. 
Another idea too is postmodernism really values authenticity and being true to yourself. Uh, so where it really lacks is explaining who defines your identity, right? It's all about self-determination. I want to be as great as I can be. I want to rise above. I want to be the best. But when we have God in the right context and we understand him as the one who defines us and created us, we're then free to actually be who we are, which is imperfect broken people who are continually being sanctified by a holy, just, righteous, and wrathful God. So we again remember, we come back to this idea that individualism is a strongly Western conception, and there might be ways that you and I have internalized this idea. Phrases like, you do you, whatever floats your boat, these are all really common things that we say to each other. We don't really bother to ask ourselves where those ideas came from. And actually, the you know, the opposite is true, that we're called to be concerned with the well-being of others. Um, when talking about division in the Corinthian church, Paul said, let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God from 1 Corinthians 10. So we really have this understanding that authenticity and being true to yourself are important. But because God defines your identity first and then being true to God, being truthful to following his commandments and pursuing him is really where that authenticity flows out from. Postmodernism is really hollow because it tells you to define yourself and you to be authentic to yourself and then to pursue that, which is ultimately like we have explained and like the Bible explains as well, we lead ourselves astray because our hearts are wicked. Our hearts have desires for things that are not of God and that are evil. And so through sanctification, God gives us new desires. He gives us a new heart and he helps us pursue the things that please him. So those ideas of education and teaching and then postmodernism, prioritization of authenticity, uh, determining who you are, being true to yourself, are really ways that we can see the way that the church has somewhat absorbed these ideas and has even allowed an output of them through their ministry programs, through what is said on Sunday sermons. You can spot it if you're really looking for it. Um, there is also a high priority placed on the imperfection of the journey of life and a really strong value on relationships. And, and these are not bad things that postmodernism really tries to elevate. So it's not bad in and of itself, but in absence of the foundation of God as our creator, our ruler, and the one who puts things in order, it will be really hollow and it can be manipulated for evil. Uh, so, so what are some of the implications for ecclesiology and missiology? So the first one is, you know, our understanding of the study of the church. And the second one is our understanding of missions and the study of how missions should be conducted. So the first one, we're kind of asking ourselves, what what is the responsibility of our church leaders? Or if we are church leaders ourselves or leaders in any capacity, what what is our responsibility? Uh, the first one, I think, would be really to just study and understand it. This episode has been kind of a flyby over some of the main parts of postmodernism. There's so much more to it that I don't have time to dive into every single detail. But I think it's on our responsibility to seek information and to understand the world that we live in and to be curious and to use the information that we have at our fingertips with the touch of a device, with your laptop, with your computer. You can find so much information. There's so many free resources out there that we can really understand 
postmodernism and where it has come from and the ways it impacts our society and then also our church. So that would be the first thing. And then the second one is to be firmly rooted in the Bible so that we can reject any nonsensical ideas. And especially for church leaders, we know how weighty our responsibility is to the people that are being shepherded. So James 3.1 says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. How sobering is it to remember the responsibility of our church leaders, our pastors, or our ministry leaders to be truthful to God's word. And we should be praying for them in all aspects that they'll be able to combat any ideologies that are contrary to the Bible. We are encouraged as Christians and as leaders to call out false doctrine with love and kindness. And as new creations, we're called to expose the darkness for what it is and uncover ideas that are devoid of biblical truth. That's what Ephesians 5 teaches us. So how great a responsibility and weight that our church leaders bear and that we as Christians bear uh, to be truthful and to understand that we can't self-determine. We can't be the ones to say what our identity is. And that idea can manifest it itself in so many evil, manipulative ways. The devil would just love for you to go about your life thinking that you're the main character and that you're all there is. But the truth is that we should be pursuing God and we should be pursuing what is good, defined by him in the Bible. We have to know what the Bible says to even pursue it. And so that's really the responsibility that's on us as the church to stay true to what is in the Bible and to study it for what it is and to not just shrink away from postmodernism because it's scary. There are so many people I think that would be their first reaction would it just be kind of shake their finger at it or reject it entirely without taking time to study it for what it is. Uh, so really, in terms of missiology, when we're talking about reaching today's unbelievers and understanding the world that they live under and the ideologies that they follow, whether consciously or unconsciously, that rather than shrinking away from postmodernism, but to take it for what it is, to turn it over in your hands, even if it's slippery, even if it's hard to understand, because postmodernism and any other philosophy that has been followed over the course of history, it reveals so much about the heart of man, that we're desperate for identity, for belonging, for meaning. Modernism tried to give that by, by having us prioritize our intellect as the main way to determine what we see around the world and how we live. But then on the flip side, because that failed, postmodernism being a response to that saying, no, well, we can't really know what truth is, so it's up to us to define what it is and to live according to how we want, has been the response to that. And both those things are just completely devoid of biblical truth. When we, when we talk about how to reach today's unbelievers or people that are lost or haven't heard the gospel, people are perceptive. They will see whether you care or not. And we understand from unpacking postmodernism that authenticity and relationships are so essential for reaching today's lost. They will see whether you care or not. Orient your programs, your ministries around a genuine desire to reach people where they are and to share the good news. And also how important it is for us as as just believers going about our lives that the relationships that God has placed in our spheres and our communities are the most important way that we make real impact for God and for his kingdom. It's just to follow his voice and the Holy Spirit in our daily lives when we're when we are 
where we get that feeling from the Holy Spirit to encourage someone else or to edify someone else or to sacrifice our time or our money to care about somebody else and to show them that they're loved. That's a really important aspect of just reaching today's lost in this postmodern context. God gives us the identity and we don't need to fruitlessly define it for ourselves. We are looking to our leaders to think critically and to speak wisely. And these are all really important things when we talk about any type of ideology, but especially postmodernism, an idea that tells you that you are the one that has it all together. Because again, like we've talked about so many times, it's so self-defeating. Your intellect is going to run out. There's going to be questions about the world, about its origins, about where it's going that, that you're not going to be, be able to answer on your own. And so in light of eternity, in light of these things, our mission as a church and also our internal philosophies about how we conduct ministry need to be oriented around that objective truth. So I want to conclude with some encouragement for us as as Christians that we we really don't have to be afraid of of ideologies like these ones. The Bible gives us such great reassurance that we know where our hope lies and where our truth is. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we can be confident in our understanding that Jesus is the only way, the only truth, and the only thing that we can look at as a truly perfect example of what how life should be conducted. And there are going to be so many things in this world that try to pull us towards them and make us think think that that is the ultimate truth and that is what we should be following. There are going to be so many philosophies and things you run into in your life. Whether you realize it or not, there are going to be messages pushed upon you through social media, television shows, all types of different media that you consume will be telling you these messages, but you never have to fear because you know that one is true. So if one doesn't meet that standard and isn't agreeing that Jesus is the only way and that his ways are right, you can very confidently just disregard them. And we also know that as Christians and as new creations that we have the Holy Spirit with us. Jesus describes the Holy Spirit as the spirit of truth multiple times throughout the book of John. And that is an amazing example of how we have that truth within us to determine things and that God gives us discernment. As we grow in our maturity with Christ, as we grow in our relationship with God, it will be easier and easier to spot the lies of this world. And trust me, when I was younger, when I was a less less mature Christian, it was hard. It was harder to discern what was a lie and what was the truth. And even as a high school, I really, really struggled to find my identity. And it was a really major pain point for me through my young adulthood. But up till now, as, as I have matured more in Christ, having the Holy Spirit within me to help me discern, it's so much easier now for me to spot things that are not in alignment with God's word. So just trust, trust that God will give you wisdom and understanding. We even know from the story of Solomon in 1 Kings that God is delighted when we ask for wisdom. It really pleases him when we are interested in knowing more about him and we ask him for discernment and wisdom and understanding how to navigate our messy, messy world through his truth. So Pray for that. Pray for that. If that's something that you don't feel like you have or you feel like you're easily led astray, just want to give you that encouragement that God 
God will give that truth to you because he wants you to walk in his ways and he's not going to hide it from you. So the next part is really your job and what you have to do is to know your word, know God's word. It's not just your pastor's job to teach it to you, but it's your job to know it for yourself. The Bible likens living your life without being soaked in God's word as to walking without light. Psalm 119.105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And earlier also in that chapter, the psalmist says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. These are such powerful passages that remind us that as we grow in our understanding of, of God's word, we become more and more like Christ and we're able to determine, like I said, when we're seeing messages that are not in alignment with God's word. And that helps us to, <laughs> to not sin against him. And it helps us to be better witnesses for Christ and be examples for who God is and make ourselves set apart from the culture. Makes ourselves set apart from this postmodern culture that tells us that we are the ones who determine who we are and what we should follow. And lastly, I would just say pray for your leaders. It's really hard to reach a lost and broken world for Jesus, and we all have that responsibility to share the gospel, of course. Yes, but especially for our leaders who are responsible for shepherding us as the body of Christ, they have to also combat the ideologies of the day and the spirit of the age and the the messages that culture is trying to send you about who you are and how you how you should be defined and trying to label you. So I would really encourage you to just encourage and admonish and love your church and ministry leaders. Seek ways to serve them. Seek ways to build them up because church leadership is not a walk in the park. If there is one thing I want to leave you with today, it is just a reminder that you don't have to know absolutely everything about philosophy to understand how to combat it like i said before if you know what the rule is and the standard is and if that's the bible if that is the tape measure i'll say that you use to measure everything else that you hear and the messages in your life then you'll never go wrong you'll never go wrong because the spirit is going to give you discernment in those moments so again just pray for wisdom and also be brave enough to seek it in the bible so that is what we have time for today. I'm so glad that you joined me today on this episode about postmodernism. I hope that you enjoyed it. I hope that it was educational or somewhat informative at least. And I just wanted to remind everybody that our show notes are always going to be linked in the description and that you can follow us on Instagram at Cedar and Cypress Pod to be alerted of new episodes. Thank you so much for joining me today and I will see you next time.